one of my favorite parables is the parable of the farmer scattering seed, or the parable of the sower. This is the parable um, that one author calls the parable of parables. Because if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand how Jesus taught. You don't understand why some people get it and some people don't. Jesus said, a farmer was out scattering seed, and some fell on the path, some fell on rocky ground, some fell among thorns, and some fell on good soil. The ones that, the seed that fell on the path was quickly snatched up by birds. Nothing good. The seed that fell among rocks sprouted up quickly, but when the sun was high in the sky, the plants withered because they didn't have any roots. When it came to the thorns, the good seed that the farmer had sown grew up among the thorns, but eventually the thorns choked out the good seed and no fruit was produced. But the seed that fell on good soil did what the seed was supposed to do. It put down roots, it grew, and it produced a harvest that produced 30, 60, 100 fold those seeds that fell on it. When Jesus was talking about the thorns, this is what he says. The thorns represent the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. And these choke out the Word of God, the seed that is planted, so that no fruit happens. No produce is happens these plants don't do what they were supposed to. It was good seed that was sown, but it was the thorns that do what thorns do. They choke out, they smother, they strangle. And it was in Jesus' explanation to his disciples where Jesus says, this is what it means. And if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand anything else, and you don't understand how the Word of God happens in people's lives. So this is one of those few times where Jesus actually gives the explanation point blank. He was asked by the disciples, can you tell us what this means? And Jesus says, yes, I will. Watch out for thorns. The worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things. All the Gospels have that passage where the, uh, well, actually, no, just the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have that phrase, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. Why do you worry about what you will eat and what you will drink or what you will wear? Do you not know that your heavenly Father knows what you need? He's good. He'll give you these things. Look at the birds. See, they don't 
work, but they still have a nest, and God takes care of them. Look at the lilies of the field and see how they're dressed. They don't worry, they don't work, they don't toil, they don't make their own clothes, but see, they're even dressed more beautifully than Solomon in all of his splendor. Jesus said this most likely multiple times. Don't worry about these things. Worry will strangle the good that God wants to do in your life. Lure of wealth. Jesus said it very plainly, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Anyone who tries to serve two masters will be devoted to one and hate the other in comparison. Can't do both. Again, that desire for wealth, that desire for gain will choke out the good things that God wants to do. That's what the thorns do. And then that desire for other things. Not just money, but stuff. Stuff is good, but when we thought about it, most of us had a list of at least two things that we would go back to get. If everything was going to burn. And of course, I set that question up such that you thought that you were supposed to go back and get something. So I can put my comics back. You could, you could put them back. You don't, you don't have to you know, risk this, this singed hair. You don't have to. Um, but your desire for things can choke out the good things that God wants to do in your life. And so this is, this is the, the principle at work. God is ascending God. God is a missional God. God has planted seeds in people's hearts in ours too, but we can allow things to choke them out. So the idea is to keep our life, our heart, as thorn-free, as worry-free, as weed-free as we can. No worries. No lure of wealth, no desire for other things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and God will take care of all those other things. But the problem is we don't just live, the ten of us in a commune, eight of us, I guess, um, where we have everything just given to us. There are some isms that I'd like to talk about. Individualism, consumerism, and materialism. First, individualism. This is a social theory about advancing uh, and advocating the liberty, rights, or independent action of the individual. This is where at the center of your world, your thought, it's about a person. It's a principle, principle or habit or a belief in independent thought or action. And the pursuit of individual rather than common or collective interests. This would be, I get mine first, I do what's best for me first, and it's okay if you do what's best for you first. You take care of yourself first. And that runs rampant in our society, and it's really hard to live that way and follow Jesus. Because in Jesus' world, he says, 
take up your cross. Follow me. Anyone who wants to be great in the kingdom of God must be like a servant. It's not about seeking your own needs first. God says, I'll take care of those too. So the individualism gets in the way. Consumerism. It's a modern movement for the protection of the consumer against useless, inferior, or dangerous products. Okay. Uh, But also it's a concept that an ever-expanding consumption of goods is advantageous for the economy and that it's also good for me. The fact or practice of an increasing consumption of goods. That my primary identifier is the purchaser of stuff. It's good for the economy. It's good for me to buy things. And I am identified by the brands that I wear. I'm identified by the car that I drive by the uh, symbol on the backside of my laptop. You know, what, whatever sort of thing there is that I am defined by, and life would be better if I were able to consume more or differently. It's another thorn. It's another weed that makes the missional life more difficult. Thirdly, materialism. Preoccupation with or emphasis on material objects comforts and considerations with a disinterested disinterest in or rejection of spiritual, intellectual, or cultural values. So this says your stuff, most important thing about you. those materials, those goods, those products. That's where ultimate meaning is found. And so when it comes to the principles of missional living, we need to be aware of these three groups of thorns, individualism, consumerism, materialism, because they will choke out the opportunity to do mission. God knows the the plans that he has for you. He knows where he wants you to be. He knows the mission that he has for you. And chances are it may be uncomfortable. If my past is any indication of my future, it will likely cost me to serve. And if my primary concern is my life and my time and my stuff, I'm not going to do those things. Because me serving other people costs. And it may mean that I have less stuff and I don't always get what I want when I want it. And there's this idea in America, among other places, that we don't have enough. Carrie was reading me some statistics from one of Jen Hatmaker's book. Was it seven? Interrupted. If you make $35,000 a year, if that's what you would report to Uncle Sam as your taxes, you are in the top 4% of the world when it comes to income. $35,000. That's it. Top 4% in the world. And for those of us who are around that, we think, that's not nearly enough to live on, right? And the number of people who live on cents a day makes up almost a third of the world's population. And so me thinking and me living by these three 
and wanting to get more means that I will continue focusing on the things that I don't have rather than the luxuries that I do have rather than caring for those who don't have don't have enough, don't have access to clean water, don't have access to food, or in, are in these places that are war-torn and, and all those things. Studies would represent or forecast that it will cost around 9 or $10 billion to make sure that everyone on the planet has clean, drinkable water with an easy access. Sounds like a lot, but our government spent... $9 billion on the war in Iraq. We could spend that same amount of money and make sure that everybody on the planet had access to safe water to drink. Where girls could go to school because they wouldn't have to walk two hours each direction a couple times a day to get water for their family. But as long as we are concerned about those things, it won't happen. So that's, that's one of these things where it's like, oh yeah, I understand that I, I don't need the, the newest laptop, I don't need the, the best pair of shoes, but I kind of want them and I'll save up and I'll get them. No big deal, I, I have it, it was extra, I'm, I'm still giving money to church, I'm still paying my taxes, I'm not living extravagantly, but I can get those things, right? And yes, you can, but there's also this idea that for me is so insidious, this idea of individualism where I can do it and I feel like it doesn't affect anybody else. But it does affect other people. And just wanted to correct your stat. Okay. How much money we've spent on the war in Iraq? $816 billion. $816 billion. Yeah. As off by. And $9, mil- $9 billion and with all the world water. Okay. All right, so we could have solved it almost 10 times. <laughs> no, almost 100 times. Wait, say those again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say those numbers we've, again. We've spent $816 billion on the war in Iraq. Oh. But it was $9 billion to solve the planet's water crisis. <laughs> I didn't think that sounded right. All right. Has given the government the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Um, nope. So, how thorny is your life right now? In what ways do you believe consumerism and individualism have worked to shape your identity? In what ways do you feel like you can begin to prune away the thorns in your life? Actual questions. Yes. I understand that some of you are introverts. You'll have a good answer on Wednesday. That's okay. Um, yeah, but any stabs at that? If you did the, the study, the seven study, you may have a, a different answer or more of an answer ready now. But are you affected by those three isms? Like our 
consumerism? Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time, where, like, we were just talking about how girls spend, like, $100 on yoga pants, and I'm like, I could fill a wardrobe with $100, including shoes and underwear, <laughs> so, yeah, that, and I, a lot of my friends are like, dude, when do you need new shoes? And I'm like, I don't know, these $9 ones are still hard to find, and they're like, But I, you know, I sometimes like to go well. I'm not so bad because I get a lot of my clothes at the thrift store, which I really, really do. But I'm like, but I'm still always looking for more. <laughs> so no, I'm not spending what a ton of people do. But I, I mean, I've always liked clothes. I mean, I, I used to make a lot of my clothes, and you know, but, and I just like clothes, and I, you know. But I can't, you know, I want to say, well, I'm better because I'm not spending all that money. But I'm still looking for more. I still hit there, and I can hardly even drop something off. And then I look at the stuff I'm getting rid of going, why do I have all this stuff, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Even if it's not high-end stuff, it's still a lot of stuff, you know, so. And and these, these can be, they have been for me, layers of an onion. I think, oh. I've arrived. I've taken care of my consumerism, and then I think, oh, but I still have these other things, and I still feel the the pull that I have towards some stuff. And it's like, well, I don't care about that stuff, but this stuff, that's different because I need it for work. That that's different because I need a car to, you know. Exactly. Uh huh. Yeah, so do you know those places for you? Target. You know? Everything. You can't get away from it. So then the important question is, is it the store? Is this something that's external to you? Or is it really something inside? And, and most likely it's a mix of both. 
But I like to think it's all about those tricky advertisers. And, and my, my heart is pure before the Lord. <laughs> and then I think, oh crap, that's in there. I really want stuff. Hi, my name is Greg, and I like stuff. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Um, yes. He wants it, a train set, and mm-hmm. all they can get is a ball, and then he ends up So let's skip down to the bottom one. In what ways do you feel like you can begin to prune away the thorns in your life? And hopefully... The, the first step is recognizing the store that's the trigger for you. But then it's also trying to root out these thorny things so that the soil looks more like the good soil and not like this that's so thorny. Ouch. Ouch. So what, what could you do? I know. I I didn't like. I I almost didn't put that one in the list. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I want stuff I could give away, but the enjoy and care about part. That's that's why I don't like this one. But there's stuff that I have that I don't care about. But if I'm gonna give it away, I'll find something that I care about. And I like yeah. my stuff. Yeah, I, I honestly, I didn't want to put this on the list because then I might have to do it. <laughs> there, there used to be this show on HDTV where they would come in and remodel. I think they would remodel a room for you. But you had to first empty the room out of everything. And then, they, so they put, they put everything on like the front lawn on a tarp. And then they put out another tarp, and they said, you can, I forget how they did that. They keep, they gave you a number of things that you could actually keep. And so then they would, they would go, okay. So then they'd fill, they'd fill up with the tarp with some other things, and then the people would go like, do you really need that? Do you really? And it was the hardest show for me to watch. So I'm like, 
but it has some sentimental value and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking, but do you really need it? Yeah. If that was in your closet for the last 20 years, yeah. did yeah. you really need it? Mm -hmm. You know, and I tend to do that with some of my stuff. I've got a couple of just junk boxes. And I've tossed I that box. right and left. Cause I'm like, <laughs> but this box. oh, I got this then. But I'd forgotten about it. And how important really is it? So, but the, when I did throw it away, I was like, Oh, I may want to look at that in a couple of years, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, it is hard, but yeah, like I said, that show was really hard for me, because, yeah, it was like, but it's their stuff, and they've earned some of that stuff, but on the other hand, like I said, if it's been in your closet for 20 years, what good is that doing? I don't know, which is why it was really hard for me to, like, the house is burning, what do I want to take? I'm like, we're all out. We can get more stuff. Yeah, but we can't get pictures. We can't get well, fat baby pictures. Yeah, we can't get fat baby back in pictures. But, <laughs> but really, I like to think that's me thinking the Lord will provide. Mm -hmm. we'll, get, we'll get another sad TV to watch and a couch to sit on. Might not be comfortable, but... You know, I don't need my comments. I actually haven't looked at most of them for 30 or 40 years, but... Maybe that should be what you What are you selling? I'm just kidding. What are you selling? I'm not going there. Do you see... Well, let me ask it differently. Not do you see, but... How do these things... How, how does having a good control of your individualism or your materialism or your consumerism, how does that free you up to live a missional life? I'm not Well, I think about like a lot of the junk I have, it clutters, and then, I mean, in some ways, it keeps me from, I mean, I remember specifically a Sunday, and I've shared this story before, but Adam was going through a real hard time with his mom, and I was like, if my house were better, I'd invite him over for lunch. If my house were better, I'd, and I said, Adam, is there anything we can do for you? And he goes, can I just come hang out? Oh, my house is a disaster. He goes, I don't care. And so he ended up coming over, and now Nobody he sees my house is a disaster all the time. But, um, <laughs> but I think maybe I'd be more willing to just say, yeah, come on over. I mean, I've lived without trim for 15 years. I can, you know, people don't seem to say much about that. But, but you know, it's I just feel like, oh, I've got spent a lot of time just going through stuff, trying to figure out what to keep, what to store, what to give away. It's like, I just but I can't, but yeah. So. So it's a time, it's a time sucker. Mm -hmm. It takes time to get your stuff <laughs> and to keep your stuff. And the other thing that I was thinking, and it's related to, Kathy, your comment about Centennial Lakes and Edina. When I recognize that I am not defined by my stuff and that I have real heart, real issues, 
then I can also see that other people, I can see through their stuff and recognize that they may be using stuff to mask who they really are and what's really going on. Because I'm free, okay, if I were really free from my stuff. Um, I, I think God says, see, I did that in you. I can do that in them too. And I want you to be free. I want you to be able to, at the drop of a hat, have the Adam come over and just be because you, you can love him and serve him that way. Yeah, we like that. Yeah, right on. But and I would say also, um, just thinking about you know, that whole question about in what ways do you feel like you can begin to put away the times in your life. I feel like you and I, Greg, have been forced to do that mm-hmm. um, over the past, well, ever since Bethany closed. So it's been almost two years now. Um, yeah, almost exactly two years. Yep. Um, And I feel like it has allowed us to become more missional because we have learned to depend on God like we have never depended on Him before. And He has proven Himself time and again to be trustworthy and to be faithful. And so when I read Scripture and I read His promises and His things, I know that He really is who He says He is because I have experienced it myself. And I know that when other people are going through things, God is going to come through because He's come through for us, and I just, I just have this, this even deeper level of trust in everything that He says He is, and that, yeah. That. And of course, it's been difficult, and I, yeah, I was just reflecting, I think today because I knew what we were talking about. That I've only bought clothes twice in the last two years. I went shopping once when, before we went to Florida, and I had to buy an outfit for my cousin's wedding. That's it. That's, like, I used to shop monthly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm a great bargain hunter, so I, I can get good, good deals, but I've just had to, yeah, <laughs> it's been awful, but it's been so good at the same time. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm able to be more missional because I don't know. Because I know that God, when he says that I'll take care of you, he really needs it. He really does. So, two Saturdays ago, Carrie made cupcakes for a friend. She actually sold them. We got... uh, Carrie got paid a little bit for them, but while we were there... um, some people gave us just a random gift. hundred bucks. Really nice. This is a couple that supported us that way. They know what we're doing. They love what we're doing. And so they, they give us gifts like that. And Karen and I were thinking about all the different... parents give us gifts. Yeah. It wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. Um, and Karen and I were thinking of all the ways that we could spend that hundred bucks. We could spend that ten, twelve ways easily. But we didn't do anything with it. And this... Was it Friday? Friday. Um, I paid for the electrical and fuse work that needed to be done in our Honda Civic and put gas in the the rental car that we had and it came to $99 and some cents. God gave us the money before we had the expense. It's almost 
penny for penny what we needed. And over the last two years, God has done that consistently. And so when I read Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do these things, take care of these things, and God will take care of everything else. And God has, and God will, as long as you don't care about shopping every month for clothes. As long as you don't concern yourself and say, okay, God, I know that you told me that you want me to plant this church, but I can't do it because I'm not going to be paid. And God says, do you trust me? And then I say, sure, but I don't know how it works. And God says, you don't need to know. I'll provide for you what you need, usually before you'll need it. And so I had, I had applied at Minnehaha Academy a couple times. But this one, I was asked, hey, Greg, would you like to teach a class? Well, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> and, you know, and again, I got a call from Rudolph. Can you come back? No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. God, God and I had that conversation. Okay, God, I really don't want to. I don't know how that's going to fit in my schedule I, because this church planting thing takes time. But, God, if this is how you're going to provide for me, I know it's not going to be extra. We're still not going to have a, a rectangular TV instead of a square TV. Come on, God. That TV's 17 years old. I know. But it's, it's one of those things where God has taken such good care of us. And it's because we have fewer thorns now than we used to. We're not thornless. We still like stuff. But it has allowed us to be more missional. And we now have a story to tell. When someone's going through a tough spot financially, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, God will take care of you. Keep putting God first. Keep tithing on any money that comes in. Give God the first 10%. He'll take care of everything else. Doesn't make sense. Anyway, I could go on for a whole long time about that. All right, so the, the homework is on the back of the bulletin. So if you didn't grab one, you should grab one because these are going to be hard... And I look forward to hearing stories <laughs> of what this looks like. Look over your monthly budget. If you don't have a monthly budget, get one. If you don't know how to get one, talk to me, talk to Carrie. Um, we got ours from Dave Ramsey. It was really, really helpful. Um, see if you can figure out where your money's going. See if you can find some extra. Um, so that when someone says, hey... I, have a, I actually have a friend, and Lori asked if I could um, take up a collection because Lori's moving and doesn't have any money. And Lord, I have been working with Lori for <laughs> close to a decade. Um, she's moving and doesn't have any funds, and I've helped her move five times. And have anything extra? Lori would take it. So anyway, budget. Find stuff that you like. Don't just give the stuff that's you're all you used it up. If you want to test how how much <laughs> things have a hold on you, man, I still have Star Wars toys, originals. Some of them I still have the box for them. I'm telling you, I know, man. But that that thought just came to mind now. So, well, whoops. Uh, moving on. Prayerfully <laughs> consider your current living situation and ownership. Uh, 
Uh, I think it's vehicle ownership. I skipped a word. <laughs> yeah, vehicle ownership. These are most likely your two most expensive possessions, your car and your, and your home. Are there changes you could make to position yourself to live a more active missional lifestyle? This is anti-American. <laughs> uh, one of the statistics I read this week, the average American right now, or how is the best way to say it? The, I want to say it right. On average, the homes that we live in now are three times larger than the home of someone in, ni- in the 1950s. House sizes, tripled. Family sizes are small. My father-in-law grew up with eight siblings in one of those small 1950s houses. And we, I think, how could you do it? There's no way. That's not possible. Where do they fit everybody? They just did. And they're a close family. <laughs> they were close. Uh, and they got, and, but they were and they able to. And they got out of there as soon as they could. But, you know, think about it. Could you live in a smaller house? Could you get by on one car, not two? Could you get by on a smaller You know, what happened, What would happen if you sold the car that you're making payments on in order to have one that you, you could buy outright? And I hope you know that I know that I'm meddling. And these, I'm looking at these things too, and it makes me uncomfortable too. Um, but when it comes down to it, I have friends, and Carrie and I have been in this position where there's a really neat opportunity, and we couldn't do it because of the debt we had, because of payments that we had to make. We don't get to go on that mission trip. We don't get to do that thing because of something else that we knew we needed to have. Any other comments, questions? I'll give you guys a chance for the last word.
one woman came up and was like, can I do this one? I have a friend that did it yesterday or something like one that. And it just made me feel really weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little bit of a downer. But I don't know. I don't know what to really make of it, I guess. And I don't know what that really was. But I was thinking about <coughs> that today on my way here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ask God that. Ask God, what does this mean? Because one of my favorite verses in Scripture, John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants you to have a full life. And there were people around Jesus who threw lavish parties for Jesus. There was a woman who opened a bottle of perfume that cost a year's wage and anointed Jesus with it. You know, Jesus was used to lavish luxury being given to him and God's okay with us having things David a man after God's own heart was incredibly wealthy but what is your relationship how is your heart in the midst of those things do they get in the way so yeah that's a great question to ask the God so what do I do about this I've struggled a little bit more recently with, you know, I always trusted that God would provide. I still do. And I'm always grateful that he provided the second job. But I didn't, for the longest time, want to ask for just one job because I thought that was selfish of me. You've given me the second job. And then not realizing how painful it was for her to have me gone all the time. And I still don't... I mean, yes, I would like the other one full-time position so I could be home more, but I'm not used to asking for stuff for myself. And so I kind of struggle with that a little bit. Because I was like, well, God's provided. He's given me that second job. We're, We're doing okay. This is good. Not realizing how hurt she is sometimes. it feels kind of selfish for me to ask and so is there a way that you could okay I'm going to say it this way I would love for you to find a way to pray that prayer in a non-greedy non-selfish way I can see how that could happen it's going to be tough mm-hmm and and I, I don't think you're you're gonna pull one over on God, <laughs> you, you know you're, you're not. But my my guess is that God won't honor the prayer as long as you're praying it selfishly or feel like you're praying it selfishly. Pray it in such a way to honor your wife. Pray it in such a way where that 
you could be more missional because you have more time. Pray in such a way so that you have more time to spend time with your family that God has put in your life. Then it becomes a different prayer. It's not because, God, I want more stuff or I, I want to you know, have more time to spend on me or I just want more. No, it's, it's never it's, about it's, that. It's not that. And I know that's how, that's what you don't want it to be. Yeah. But I think it's okay. Our good, good father. Think about what you want for your kids. Do you want them to have one job that provides for all of their needs, or would you rather have them cobbling together jobs like you have? One. <laughs> your good good father feels that way about you wait that's in the bible that's a good reminder. Um, that's a visual reminder for us all uh, that when you read scripture, we're not alone, even though likely we're doing it by ourselves. Uh, and that memorizing is a really good thing to do. Um, so memorize and spend time in scripture and encourage us all by putting stones and jewels in the vase. Don't worry that it looks like we're running out. We've got more. So I invite you to be blessed and bless one another. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great week.